This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. I am Jonathan DeLong. I'm joined by Zach. Say hi, Zach. So they know How's your it going, Hivers and Hivettes? You can find us wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Don't know if I said that. On today's episode, we recap most of the first round of the NBA playoffs, talk about what we've seen, talk about what our thoughts are. Uh, I have some uh, thoughts on how things could be worse for the Hornets based on some other news going on around the (laughs) NBA. So there's some optimism in this episode, and we wrap up with the gist of the show, which is our all-time Hornets draft, where Zach and I both create our all-time Hornets teams via a snake draft, and then we pit those two teams up against each other to see who's the best. Kemba Uh, forever! And I'm joined as always by Zach. Zach, how are you? I'm good. I'm enjoying this really warm weather outside. Oh, it's it is very warm. Um, so first thing that I wanted to talk about today before we get into our our real fun activity, um, for as frustrating as the Hornets have been this year, and in the last couple of years with this perpetually finishing just outside the playoffs, um. I think the recent news in the NBA reminds is a good reminder to all of us that it could be a lot worse. Um, the Suns fired their coach again after Fifth, one year. It's the how many coaches in the? It, it, it's going to be like seven and eight years or something. Absurd. It's a lot of coaches. I know that Devin Booker has had uh, five different coaches. Yeah, he's had a coach like every single season. I've seen some of the wildest stuff about it. Like I saw stuff people. Like fan theories, it's like, oh, uh, they good enough because of his accent. And then, uh, I, well, this guy I, apparently was a very like well liked coach from other teams. Yeah, um, other players really liked him. He was supposed to be a very good tactician. Um, and that that team was always going to lose a bunch of games, and they wanted to lose a bunch <laughs> of games, right? Yeah, and then they got better at the end of the year, which is what you'd expect from a young team, right? Yeah. But then, no, not good enough. Also, I, I heard, and I haven't verified, someone said that uh, players felt like um, Kokoskov wasn't as, as in control of the team as he should have been, and it was it felt like Joe Prunty was more in control. And if there's one thing I know about Joe Prunty is that he is an alpha dog, just just based on uh, what we know of his personality from last year's playoffs. Well, and as Hornets fans, we know the feeling of an owner kind of wanting to be in control of the of the team yeah um i think jordan has had a lot of 
his hands in a lot of decisions mm-hmm. uh, with the Hornets. And Prunty just seems like he's not letting people who know what they're doing run the, oh, the basketball yeah. operation. That's, that's Sarver, the owner. Yeah, Sarver. He Sarver, has no Sarver. idea what he's doing. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Um, and then also the Kings had like an overachieving season. Um going well almost you know like being in the playoff race almost the entire season and they're like ah dave yeager out of here we're gonna hire luke walton who that's their own mess where the lakers mutually part away with luke walton because i don't know lebron didn't like him or whatever that's what and always then, happens with LeBron. <laughs> and so they hire luke walton and now luke walton's in embroiled in a sexual assault case so yeah yeah there's really not much to say about that uh no, it's but so, uh, Coaching problems, yeah. Yeah, all, all that to say is, guys, it could be worse. Like, Michael Jordan, for his faults, and for this team as, it could be worse. We're not yeah, the Yeah, and worst. I have some faith in um, James Borrego. I know that Andrew Waters, a uh, writer on the At The Hive yeah. uh, website, wrote a really interesting story about the changes that he made late season and how that could translate uh, next year. We talked about it on the previous podcast. I think that the way that he, the style he wants to play, um, I think we have to get the right players on the team in order to run that uh, mm-hmm. well and efficiently. Yeah, I, I, I have. I think Michael Jordan has gotten better about kind of backing off a little bit. I still think he probably has plenty. It doesn't seem like he's got his hands all over the place like he did before, apart from hiring nothing but UNC guys. Other than that, though, like I think he hires the UNC guys and then lets them do their thing. Yeah, and I, th- I hopefully with Cupcheck in there, he's going to allow the GM to make decisions that are best for the team. You always hear stories, especially about around Kaminsky, um, a little bit around Monk as well, because mm-hmm. there was a story that Steve Clifford uh, wanted uh, uh, Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, yeah, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, and. We saw how that went. Now, you never know what Donovan Mitchell would be like on a Hornets team and vice Mm -hmm. versa. You just never know with stuff like that. I do think that, look, if I owned a team, man, you know, I'm making comments about the Charlotte Hornets and I'm not part of the team at all. I'd want want say as well. But I do feel like you have to have faith in some type of infrastructure and they don't have it in the Suns. No, no, not at all. And yeah, like you and I don't think people give enough credit or like enough weight to the idea that like if you own a sports franchise, it's not exactly easy to be like this. I don't need to provide any input because it's like your team. Like imagine as fans, how much input we just throw off into the internet for nobody to listen to. Like, how would you withhold that? Those like opinions and thoughts that you have when you actually have decision making power. When you have money in the game. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like it's actually you actually can affect things, and it's actually your team on the line. Like, how are you not going to be like, I like this player better than that player? You know, just even if just like as a one of many voices, like you're going to provide some sort of input. And the Suns are trash fire. All puns intended. Oh. Intended. <laughs> Big um, you. Do you see that their? Do you think their future is bright though? Again, uh, no with the puns, man. Jeez, <laughs> this is actually their explanation blog is bright side of the sun. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, I mean like 
people as i think a lot of people think they do because like the idealistically the young players all develop and they have deandre Ayton who looks really good they have devin booker who's obviously super talented then they have and, another top draft pick come yeah and they'll get like john morant or maybe zion or or somebody else that's supposed to be really good but like they're so far away from being even close to competitive and like we've talked about this organizational dysfunction like i don't know how they're all of a sudden gonna make like a huge leap i mean i, I guess philadelphia did that but that's form like devin booker and De- deandre ayton and this rookie are gonna suddenly go from 20 wins to 50 unless something wild happens yeah and they're playing in the West. I mm. wonder where the Suns would be if they were playing in the East. Um, those numbers get crazy. I mean, the Magic um, skated in. The, the Pistons, too, skated into the playoffs with a really horrible record. And watching the playoffs, um, the first round of the playoffs, watching the Magic and the Blakeless um, Pistons play in the playoffs... Man, I really, I know, and I know it's a Hornets' fault, but I really wish I could have saw playoff Kemba Walker instead of like <laughs> DJ Augustine and uh, and you know them getting killed by the Raptors. Yeah. Oh, like that. The Hornets should have like replaced the Raptors. Like after that first game one, not the Raptors, but between the Pistons and the Bucks, the Hornets should have just like taken the Pistons' spot. Like they could, they could enter the series down one zero, but just. Because they lost by like 35, and they're down by like 50 at one point in game one. It was very clear that they were absolutely no match to ever even threaten the Bucks at any point. Just let, let another team get a shot. Because the Hornets have actually played the Bucks pretty well this year. And I think they would have at least provided a more entertaining series, even if they didn't win more than a game. 100%. And just watching Kemba Walker there yeah. would have been more entertaining if it was one against five. Just watching yeah. him play would be more entertaining than watching the Pistons. And then when they went home in Detroit, look, I get that the Spectrum Center isn't like the greatest home atmosphere, but that mm. Little Caesars arena just looks like it doesn't even look like anybody lives in that city most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just the, the Pistons can go away. Like I always, I never really, <laughs> I always, like, I never look forward to the games. Like they're always, it always feels like the Hornets games against the Pistons are boring. Like they're their color, their branding is boring. Their style of play is boring. Like their best player is Blake Griffin, who's an amazing player, but you know he's not the explosive athlete he used to be. He's kind of he's pretty boring to watch. It's just it's all boring. Blake Griffin is one of those players. Um, reminds me a little bit of Derrick Rose. Not that their playing styles are the same at all, obviously, mm-hmm. but they the they don't have any power left They they get hurt and their bodies just wear down. And you watch this person who was once such a crazy athlete to see just degrade into somebody. And Blake Griffin for, to his credit has changed his game a little bit, become a little more herky jerky and um, developed, not really an outside shot, but has been better uh, from the outside. Um, it's just different to see them play back when they were, you know, all-stars to now. Um, I know Rose had a little bit of a resurgence, a little bit of a renaissance this year, but it's a different story. I'm looking right now. Uh, Blake had 38 dunks this year. And then, like, back in his early years, he was, like, leading the league in dunks. And this year, he had a dunk, one dunk every other game. So, yeah. Yeah, he had 207 dunks in his third year in the league. This year, he had 38. 
In fact, it reminds me of a player we'll probably talk about later, Larry Johnson. Just explosive mm. um, paint player would just white people away with his athleticism and then it just his body just wore down and just couldn't take it anymore you know it happens yeah i i, I remember thinking that with derrick rose where it's just like he's too explosive for his own like for his joints and i'm honestly surprised russell westbrook hasn't had more problems like that um but yeah like you said to blake griffin's credit at least he's like molded his game to where now he's like he, he's shooting a bunch of threes and he's passing better and stuff so he's he's melded his game to fit his declining athleticism rose is who was pretty good this year but has struggled with that without having that athleticism that he had to dominate with before yeah that is literally the last thing i want to talk about with the uh detroit pistons (laughs) have you been what have your initial impressions of round one have you had a lot of time i've watched yeah, I watch like bits. I don't. I haven't watched like many games all the way through, but I always have it on when I'm around. Um, the East playoffs in particular kind of suck. I mean, I guess yeah, the, they're they're <laughs> not competitive. They're done now already. They're, like the first round's done. The the most competitive series was what the Raptors and Magic. You know, uh, although um, uh, the Magic got one game, I I think because I've, I've been last weekend. We, we don't do a lot for Easter in my family. Oh, basically, mm-hmm. all I did was sit around and watch basketball. It was an Easter present. Um, <laughs> the Pacers-Celtics uh, series was actually more competitive than the score would tell you. Um, That's man, true. the Pacers season. Like, if Oladipo would have been healthy, it would be really interesting to see what that how that series would have uh, gone. Because they're just scrappy. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie picked it up a level... That Celtics team, um, I know the the Pacers weren't much of uh, someone to go against, but I think that it'll be interesting to see how Milwaukee reacts to them in the second round. They'll definitely get more of a fight. And so I guess the Boston and Indiana series is probably the most competitive since the biggest margin of victory was 10 points, even though like the Pacers didn't win any games. It's kind of like the Bobcats against the, uh, the Heat the first time where they got swept. Yeah. But they played it close pretty much every game, um, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so I guess that would be the most competitive series because the the Magic and the Nets each stole game one and then got the doors blown off every game the rest of the series. So real real good job, Eastern Conference first round. So do you do you have been, a, and we can get to our 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 main element soon? But do you have a Warriors killer? Do you have a team that you think? can win the title who's not in Golden State? I think, I mean, I might be naive and to make too much, like make too many assumptions based on the regular seasons, but the Warriors look beatable. Like I would not be surprised if like Houston knocks them off before they even get to the finals. That's the, that's the finals game right there is the, the Houston series, right? It, I don't know, but then I think Milwaukee and Toronto could play with them too. Like I, I think any of those teams could beat the Warriors, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like I picked the Warriors to win because, like, I wouldn't pick against them until they prove that they'll lose. But none of those teams beating the Warriors would surprise me because they're they're basically a three man show at this point. And Draymond Green's great defensively, but after that, they're like nothing. Okay, 
Well, that's three of the five star- starters. Well, yeah, but you have, worry a, about. You, have, you have a bitch. You think though, about like, Milwaukee, like, mm-hmm. although they play well as a team, um, if you can control um, Giannis, then you're not, you know, I don't think that Clay, anybody's going to stop Clay Thompson, whose name is not Giannis, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the Milwaukee side. The Raptors are interesting, but the Raptors, I don't even know if they're going to make it. Um, out of the Eastern Conference, and then I'd love. I can't wait to see the Celtics Milwaukee series because you can make a lot of excuses about how hurt the Pacers were, um, and I want to see how they react and see if they can gel together as a team. Watching Kyrie play on the court, like if he if he lived on a basketball court and never said anything to anybody outside of a basketball court, he would be a great basketball player. It'll be interesting to see if he can become the leader that he has to be for them to win a title. Yeah. He's the best job of that so far this year. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> I feel like he's gotten progressively worse as a leader um, all season leading up to the playoffs. So let's see if he turns it around. Now, I mean, now that they have like a common goal, I think it's kind of, I think that's helped them because I think they're all throughout the regular season. There's a no matter what team it is, everybody's got a little bit of an individual agenda, especially during the regular season when you've got to put your stats up and yeah. you got to get ready for your next contract and stuff. And once you get to the playoffs, just like little things, like nobody, everybody always uh, heaves the last second shots. Nobody holds it until right after the buzzer to preserve their stats and all that little stuff like that. Everybody puts their egos aside a little bit more in the playoffs, and that's been probably the number one issue with the Celtics this year is the the egos. So. I think Let me tell you something. Heave, heave the ball. If you have a chance to score a point for your team, heave the ball. I don't want to hear about your stats. Don't hold the ball. You know, don't shrink on the moment. Heave the ball is all I'm going to say. I don't care yeah. about my stats, Jonathan. I'll heave the ball. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's always like a minuscule difference it's going to make in your stats, too, if you heave it like four or five times in a season. Like it's nothing. Yeah, unless you're, you hit it, the crowd will go wild, too. Unless you're um, Mo Harkless. A couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember that. He had like a clause in his contract, hit more than thirty-five percent of his threes. So like he was sitting right at thirty-five percent with a few games to go, and he just stopped shooting threes, refused to shoot three pointers. <laughs> he was at like he finished the season at like thirty-five point one percent, and he's just like, I'm not, I'm not gonna test this. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm a interior player now. I, I respect that. That I mean, yeah, you got to get your money, man. But anyway, anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I think we better. Before... This podcast is going to be an hour and a half long because this, I feel like, is going to be an amazing uh, section that we have. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Well, you want to introduce it since it was your idea? Yeah, sure. So ever since we started this podcast, I've been coming up with these different things that we can do. And one of the things I always think about, and if you're a, a fan of the Hornets, you've probably thought about it too, is just who, what would be the all-time starting five Hornets that you would have on your team? And Jonathan and I talked about it, and we figured that what we would do is we would have two separate teams, my team and his team, and we would figure out who our all-time Hornets would be, and then we would have the listeners or the readers of atthehive.com vote on which team they would rather have. Now, here's the thing about choosing a Charlotte Hornet is that if you get the number one pick in this draft, you there's a pretty good advantage because Kemba Walker is – am I wrong, Jonathan, by saying Kemba Walker is arguably the best Hornet of all no, time? No, that's, I I think that's pretty – Yeah. Okay. All right, so what we did was a snake-style draft. So we flipped a coin. Yours truly got the first pick, <laughs> and – um, the next person would get two picks, and then uh, so Jonathan gets two picks, I get two picks. So it's a snake draft, and we're gonna tell, we're gonna go through the draft with you guys and talk about who we got, and then at the end we'll give a review of our teams, and then after this podcast goes up, as long as the timing is right, um, we'll also publish an article that kind of explains the players, explains the teams, and the reasons behind why we chose the players. Does that sound like a pretty concise description, John? It sure does. I just have to clarify two things. Um, one, I didn't flip a coin because I couldn't find one. I flipped an envelope because that was a close. Oh, that is transparency, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Transparent. <laughs> you, you texted me like, "Want to flip a coin?" And the like, coins are. And the first thing I found was just like an envelope with a pay stub on my uh, on my dining room table. And I was like, "All right, if it lands with my name up, I get first pick. If it lands with my name on the ground, Zach gets first pick." And I just threw it up in the air. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, the other thing, snake drafts with two people are uh, are kind of funny because it ends up just being us taking turns picking two players. Yeah, but it worked out okay. So, without further ado, the first pick in the Hornets all-time team draft is Kemba Walker. Obviously. Oh right? wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, look, Hold- I I like to keep it a surprise for the for the folks at home. Um, <laughs> Pulled the rug out from under me, right out from under me. What is there's a large amount of stats that I could shout out right here. Um, mm. with his field goal percentage, especially th- this past year, his three point percentage has gone up. Kimball Walker is inarguably the best Charlotte Hornet of all time. Um, but so I'm gonna go a little bit beyond the stats because the way that I chose to build my team was kind of personalities and who would I think would have the most beautiful game together. Um, But Kemba Walker is a natural born leader. I think that if he wasn't playing basketball, if he was your accountant, um, he'd be leading a team of accountants and he'd be, he'd be, you know, writing spreadsheets and leaving, leaving it all on the floor as an accountant. Um, But I, we, talk about when we talk about the best point guards in the league right now i think leadership wise you you can't get any better than kemba walker um maybe steph curry is in the leadership um category when it comes to that kind of stuff but 
you ever seen somebody will put their will on a game and change the tide of that game with how he plays? That's Kemba Walker in a nutshell. So it was an easy first pick. Um, do you have any? Do you have an argument against Kemba no. Walker being? being no, I don't. I mean, we we pretty much said when we started this that uh, that whoever we're gonna flip a coin to decide who gets Kemba Walker, and then the other person gets to take two other players. Right, right. Now you're the two players that you chose. I thought were really interesting. All right. So first, I went with the guy that uh, Kimball Walker broke all of well, most of his records that were single season records. Um, that was Glenn Rice, and the only reason because Glenn Rice only played here for three years, so he has like none of the all time records in terms of like you know total points scored, total anything. But he had a lot of single season records and scoring and three pointers made and all that stuff. So I thought. After Kimball Walker, in terms of uh, pure talent and like basketball ability, especially while he played with the Hornets, I thought Glenn Rice was. Uh, you can make an argument that he was the best player, the next best player to play for the Hornets while he was here. You know, obviously without tenure and all that stuff. And when I was a kid, when I was like, what I would have been six, five, six years old, he was my favorite player. So I picked right, Glenn Rice. So- Glenn Rice played from 96 to 98 with the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Yep. And made it all-star every year. Averaged like 25 points a game over that stretch. and Or 24 points per game. And he made 44% of his three-pointers during that stretch, which in the 90s was very uncommon. He shot 47% from three in 96-97 on five-and-a-half attempts a game. That's, that is that's what, some... Uh, yeah. That's what makes ahead him of his interesting... Time. Yeah, exactly. It'd be interesting to see him play in the modern NBA. Now, are you thinking, I know he played small forward. Are you thinking shooting guard for him? No, I think, no, he can play small forward because of okay. who I took later on, um, gotcha. which I kind of made it harder for myself. I, that last pick was hard, but we'll get there. Um, yes, my other will. pick that I made, and my other pick that I made to, to steal the, the, uh, the most minute amount of nostalgia from your team, because you definitely got me beat in that regard, um, was Larry Johnson. Um, Larry Johnson is kind of like uh, Zion Williamson of 30 years ago. Am I wrong in saying that? Like, they're very similar, like, physically and stylistically in terms of how they play. So, Zion Williamson hasn't played in the NBA. We don't know how he's going to translate. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I, I would agree. I... Unlike Glenn Rice, um, who would be really interesting to see play in the NBA, and you know, first of all, Grandmama Larry Johnson, a, a, a beast on the court. I don't know. Is there room for Larry Johnson in the modern NBA? Do you think? It depends on like the structure of the team around him, especially like if you have a center that can that can stretch the floor a little bit. And then, right. to his credit, like later in his career, in his Knicks days, he he was able to become at least somewhat of a threat from beyond the arc. Like he ended his career as a thirty-three percent three-point shooter on low attempts, but he was able to shoot a little bit. Um, but if the like the Warriors can survive with Draymond Green at power forward, and that's kind of like what I look at with players like Larry Johnson, where he can dribble shoot, or he can't really shoot that well, but he can dribble pass, defend, rebound, everything else. So you can always there's always room for those kind of players especially like i said with the playmaking like he averaged four assists a game while he was in charlotte 
which yeah, is a lot the playmaking is a, is a big deal. Yeah, the playmaking is a big deal because he can be a centerpiece of your team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he can yeah. run point for you. For it was a that. great pick. Now here's the oh, deal. thank you, Zach. Jonathan. Here's the deal. When I made the Kimball Walker pick, I thought, man, who, who like maybe Glenn Rice, but I doubt it. Um, uh, I, I there's no way I'm going to be able to pick between Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, and Del Curry. Definitely, Jonathan's going to pick one of those people. Pick Larry <laughs> Johnson. Fantastic. The fact that on the turn I got Del Curry. And Alonzo, so I picked Alonzo Morning first for for mm. uh, history's sake. Alonzo Morning went first, and then Del Curry. the The idea of Alonzo Morning running a pick and roll with Kemba Walker is what dreams are mm. made of, my friend. It would be so interesting to see somebody who is a monster at rebounding because, for some reason, none of our bigs can rebound nowadays. Um, <laughs> 17 points a game in his career, um, over 50% from the field goal percentage for his career. Um, Alonzo Mourning is a legend not only in Charlotte, but at Miami as well. And putting Kemba Walker with uh, playing the pick and roll with Alonzo Mourning would be awesome. And then guess what? Let's say he gets trapped in the, in the, the pick and roll. <laughs> Can't get Alonzo Mourning. He can pass it out to Del Curry and hit that corner three. I just think having Alonzo Mourning, Kemba Walker, and Del Curry on the same team is really hard to beat when you're picking all-time Hornets. Um, very surprised that uh, Del Curry didn't go. I understand where your thinking was, <laughs> but I mean, you're the man who wrote the article. You're the man who wants his re- uh, jersey retired. For everybody who doesn't know, uh, above 40% career three-point shooter Del Curry, above 45% field goal percentage. He was never a, a high high scorer, but I think that's because they didn't play the style basketball um, in the 90s that they play now. So if you spread the court with Del Curry and told him to shoot 20 times a game, um, I think he would have scored more points. Do you feel comfortable in this hypothetical fantasy scenario with starting Del Curry? Because he's a bench guy. Well... You, we have a pool of hornets to pick from, and the question <laughs> of do I feel comfortable starting Del Curry, um, you got to bring it into the context of what other hornets are you going to start? Yeah, I do feel comfortable starting Del Curry <laughs> in this hypothetical <laughs> fantasy world where he's playing with Kemba yeah. Walker and Alonzo Mourning because I'm not asking him to do a bunch, and because of the later picks uh, that I'm going to say the um, defensive liabilities that you might find with a bench player and with Kemba Walker, I'm going to try to solve later on. Yeah. And I also, the reason to explain myself, why I didn't pick Dell. I went, I think you have a lot of explaining to do my friend. (laughs) Oh, well, Dell's a, Dell's a a specialist. He's a fantastic specialist, but he's a specialist. I was looking for uh, guys that, um, would be more centerpieces with my first two picks to try to overcome Kimball Walker. Like Glenn Rice and Larry Johnson made five all-star teams in their total of five years in Charlotte or eight years in Charlotte. So felt good with the star power, which by the way, real quick before I move on the Hornets, as I was researching for this, we're real big on getting all-star players in the nineties and then 
getting rid of them. Yeah, I don't know what the thinking <laughs> for that was. I, I mean, you know, when we set up our parameters, you made it very clear because I've uh, a long time hatred of the fact that we traded uh, Kobe Bryant because he threatened <laughs> not to play in Charlotte, that they actually had to have played in Charlotte because you thought I was going to pull a fast one on you and draft <laughs> Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I was I was gonna sneak in there and 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 draft Kobe Brown with my last pick, but I didn't. Anyway, moving on. So, in hindsight, I shouldn't have picked a point guard with this next pick because there's no because I, you obviously weren't going to because you had Kimba Walker and Del Curry, and I could have waited. But oh, it's okay. Game theory. I see where you're going. It would yeah, it would have been good, but wasn't thinking. Just just pick guys. Um, I picked Baron Davis, who I feel like sometimes gets forgotten about in the in Charlotte Hornets lore because he was around. Uh, during the whole George Shin fiasco, team's gonna leave. Are they gonna stay? No, they're gonna leave. We don't like them anymore, type thing. But yeah. uh, he made he made an All Star team in Charlotte. He made another All Star team when they were the New Orleans Hornets. Um, averaged in after his like he averaged roughly 18, 19 points a game in his prime. He led the league in steals a couple times. Um, his All Star season with the Hornets, he averaged eighteen points eight and a half assists, two steals. Like he was really good. And I don't think he gets uh, enough recognition for that. So did yeah. you say okay, the name Baron, da- Baron Davis? Baron Davis. Yeah. Did you I say that? Did. If I didn't, okay, it's Baron yeah. Davis. It was a lot of prelude, and, but yeah. And, and I agree with you that he was underrated and he's underrated in the history of the Hornets as well. He's one of those guys. That I think he's more well known for his time after the Hornets. So he kind of gets because of you know when he played here, nobody cared about the Hornets, and then he became a part of that that Golden State eight over one seed thing, and then he played for big markets with the Clippers and the and the Knicks and stuff. So it, the fact that he's born gets forgotten about, but he was really good when he was here and good athlete, good defender, going to counter that Kimball Walker, make it make his life a little tough. Um, I agree with that. I uh, a little bit agree with that, but all, all right, that's fine. But I do think people imagine Baron Davis as a Golden State Warrior and a Clipper first. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, my other pick, and this is why I specifically asked you, like we're taking the players out of their primes and not necessarily. This is where the this is where the ship goes down, my friend. <laughs> I, I picked I Dwight Howard. So in this. Dwight Howard. He picked Dwight Howard, ladies and gentlemen. It, Go ahead. If we're being honest, because uh, he made eight All Star teams and All NBA teams, and he's a three time Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Walking, he wasn't talking, great when living, he was uh, double double. Yeah, and Defensive Player of the Year three times. Yeah. Um, during his prime, like the the, the eight All Star teams he made, he averaged eighteen and a half points, thirteen point three rebounds, and two point three blocks a game. That's really good. I think he matches up pretty well with Alonzo Mourning. If we're being honest. There is a case to be made that Dwight Howard is the best player or one of the top two or three players to have, like in terms of their totality of their NBA careers that at one point suited up for the Hornets. Dwight Howard's the first ballot Hall of Famer, and he played for the No arguing any of that, Jonathan. Do you know what else (laughs) there's no argument about? He's he's a he's a locker room cancer. He's a, he tears teams apart limb from limb. And you know what else he does? He farts all over the uh, the bench. He is legendary 
for his farting all everywhere. Your team, you won't, they won't be even be able to sit next to each other. It'll be well, LeBron James sitting like 20 uh, chairs beyond his team. Like no one will like each other at all because you picked Dwight Howard. Well, it's a good thing that these hypothetical teams don't have benches and they're only five, five <laughs> players deep. And so they'll be on the court the whole time. So that will be a problem. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, when Dwight Howard came uh, to Charlotte, I was like, this would could be awesome. It could be really great. And I don't like we're not in those locker rooms, but he does have that reputation. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about him or he's he seems like he laughs all the time. He's smiling all the time. Um, he's a walking double double. Like what is going on with Dwight Howard? I always ask myself. Yeah, that. it's always interesting. I know when I first saw the news, I remember. I was like, <clears throat> I just gotten home and I was walking up to my front door and I pulled my phone out and I got, I had an alert that said Hornets acquired Dwight Howard. I was like, that can't be real. And I, <clears throat> especially when I saw what we traded for him and it was like, I don't really like Dwight Howard, but I guess that's cool. Like that's a big name for the Hornets. It's always cool to have like a household name on your team. We traded, on, players, in our case. we traded basically no one for him, right? Absolutely nothing. We traded Miles Plumlee, Marco Bellinelli for Dwight Howard. And on top of that, we moved up in the second round to take Dwight Howard. I mean, uh, like we moved up. probably a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, eight-time All-Star. Oh, he's for finals. sure. Like, he's for sure a Hall of Famer. He might be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's crazy that, that he gets this reputation with teams, and uh, that's why mm-hmm. uh, your ship is sinking. Uh, no, I... I <laughs> I thought I'm fine with it. We'll let the voters decide. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So the the next player I picked, I have there's a special place in my heart for him because um, I have this streak going on since we were the Bobcats of of going to every opening night game, and I bought a ticket for an opening night game. If it was it was six or seven dollars to go to this opening night game. It wasn't horrible seats um, because they were the Bobcats. And I watched Gerald Wallace pull, bring the Bobcats to wins that they had no business being in. Um, the the forgotten all-star of Charlotte's Lord. Remember you said that about uh, Baron Davis, Gerald mm-hmm. Wallace is that as well. Um, numbers aren't going to jump out at you about 12 points. Uh, he averaged about 12 points a game. Um, field goal percentage was about 47%. Um, really couldn't shoot threes at all. But what he did was, like, break down players on the defensive end. Um, I would compare him to what we thought uh, MKG could be. Um, That's and, exactly you know, what maybe. it is. Yeah. Uh, Maybe he could be in the future. God, not somebody knock on some wood or something. <laughs> um, so I picked Jared Wallace. Jared Wallace is going to do what I need him to do on the defensive end to cover up for Del Curry and Kemba Walker. Um, when that guard penetrates, when Baron Davis uh, penetrates or Glenn Rice penetrates, he's going to lock them down or hopefully in this imaginary world of basketball players. Um, I can trust that Jared Wallace will defend set picks and 
again, this is a guy who leaves everything on the court. This is a guy who cares for his teams. Even when he was broke down playing in Boston, people loved him in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. And he couldn't really contribute very much on the stat side. And then my last and final pick, my fifth player. Um, maybe there's no room for him in the NBA anymore. Maybe we just we just can't play um, a style where there there are hooks and there's 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 paint play and you're trying to to make plays from your hip. But I got out Big Al on this. I get bring bring old Big Al on this um, with this sweaty face and just just rubbing all face. over people in in the best way. Um, I don't know what to tell you, but the best modern Hornets team had Big Al on it when we took uh, hmm. the Heat to seven games. He was there, averaged sixteen points in his career, fifty um, percent from the from field from the field because he played so close to the basket. Um what did you like uh Big Al when he played? No, I loved it when Big Al was here. Um also it was a, he, it was a he big contract. Credit. He um he Go made thirteen all third team all NBA um in his first season here when he basically carried the team to the playoffs and probably what will be the final year that a post player carried his team to the playoffs in the history of the NBA. So we have that to hang our hats on. Yeah, everybody thinks Zion Williamson is going to bring it back in some way, but yeah, the way that he played is almost no, yeah, almost gone from the uh, league. Even people who kind of play like that, um, Rudy Gobert comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. You can see that it's just getting like mathematically, it's getting wiped out of the league. Um, but when he would do those scoop. Uh, hook shots and just make it in like 80% of the time he would just do that scoop hook shot and he's not he's 6'10 so he's not it wasn't a monster at the center position Mm -hmm. but he knew how to find those angles he knew how to find those corners and I just love squirrely players like that the one thing I'll say about Al Jefferson on the the negative side is when he had a bad game I don't think there's anything more frustrating than a bad Al Jefferson game because like you know goes cold and it's frustrating to watch Kimba go cold but you know Kimba's always taking high degree of difficulty shots and not that Al's weren't but Al would go like five for 18 with all 18 shots coming within 10 feet of the rim it's just like come on man some of those have to go in (laughs) have to go down and (laughs) another thing is watching that style of basketball I've I heard a lot of people <laughs> complain about like all right what's what are we doing we're going down it's half court bad okay fantastic half court offense uh g- get the ball get the ball to Big Al all right he's gonna do some moves maybe he likes it maybe he doesn't maybe he passes it back but the but the idea is to always get the ball to Big Al so I can understand people not liking that style of offense but if you like oh, yeah. big man play he was he had great moments as the Charlotte Hornet I I do remember um. When he was at his peak here, it seemed like we had one set, and that was um, we passed the ball to the wing, and somebody sets a screen across the lane to get Al some space to come post up on the left block. Always the left block. Yeah. And we'd run that same set just over and over and over again, where it was, it was just a real basic, like, Jeremy Lamb, Michael Kigou, Chris whoever's playing on the wing would just set a screen for Al so he could get a little extra space without a guy on his back to post up. And then we'd just every stand around and let him go to work. 
And he would do that thing. It reminds me of uh, Baloo from the Jungle Book, where he would just bring his back on the on the defense player. Like, oh, I'm going to lean back, dribble once. Yeah. Lean back, dribble once. <laughs> it was just very – it was fun to watch that style of play when, obviously, the league was going to a different place. Yeah, yeah. and it worked. It was it was fun when it worked. Because um, he was pretty rough, if I remember correctly, when he – like that first – the beginning of his first season here. I'm pretty sure, like he came out of the gate real slow, and it was like, oh boy, this is this is a bust of a signing. And then uh, the second half—that's the All-Star team—but then he made the All-NBA team because the second half of the season he averaged like 25 and 12 or something ridiculous. Yeah, so. and he came from Utah. Um, we got him from Utah, correct? And yeah, well, yeah, we, we signed him, him as a free agent from Utah. Yeah, yeah, and and. Then we got Marvin Williams, who was also um, had a lot of uh, uh, accolades, or, or people thought Marvin Williams was going to break out in some way. Um, and say what you will about Marvin Williams, he's been a, a large piece of the Hornets for a while. Um, it was just interesting that we were just kind of like, all right, who who else didn't work out in Utah? <laughs> yeah, let's let's just just. We'll re-sign a big chunk of the Jazz teams. I don't even think those Jazz teams were any good. And uh, maybe they will be better here. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. It, it, it worked out all right. Um, yeah. There it is. Al, All-Star game. Al Jefferson averaged uh, 24.5 points, 11.4 rebounds, and two assists a game um, in the 2013-14 season. He made All-NBA. Just a steady double-double. Pretty good. And then... Anyway, moving on to wrap it up. I took forever to make this pick because I had no idea who to pick. To more than a day, just so everybody's clear. More <laughs> than a day. It's tough because the all-time Hornets are pretty slim pickings. There aren't a lot of them. There's but, not um, a lot of them, and you I don't would... know which way to go on stuff. Yeah, and so like I thought a lot about um, Jason Richardson and – Jamal Mashburn got some late consideration. I'll get to him in a minute, but I went with Eddie Jones. Um, Eddie Jones was part of the trend of the Hornets in the late nineties, taking all-star players and keeping them for a year or two and then getting rid of them. Cause we traded Glenn Rice. It was pieces of all, but essentially we traded Glenn Rice and got back Eddie Jones. And then we traded Eddie Jones and got back Jamal Mashburn who went on to be an all-star later. But uh, in his one full season with Charlotte, Eddie Jones averaged, uh, 20 points, five rebounds, four assists, and three steals. Led the league in steals. So, more more strong defense on the wing. Uh, maybe put the clamps on Del Curry and Kimba, depending on what's going on. And uh, some a good outside shooter. He shot 37% from three for his career. And another guy that I think gets forgotten about because he was here for such a brief amount of time. Kind of forgotten about altogether. You don't hear a lot about Eddie Jones in the national media either. Yeah, he, he made, like he made three All Star teams, and it, it, two of them with the Lakers, where you think you know it'd be like, oh yeah, remember Eddie Jones like pre Kobe, like that was the last big shooting guard before Kobe with the Lakers, but no. He was and, out of Miami when they won the title with Shaq. Uh, if he was his, on that team, he was on the bench. Oh, what season was that? Was it oh six? Because his last season in Miami was oh four oh five. No, he came back in oh six. 
I thought. He did. He did. Yeah. 2006, 2007, he did come back. Yeah. I'm not so, sure. Yes, he was on. But I'm wondering <laughs> if, he, if he had a ring or not. But either way, he did, he gets forgotten about. And before I move on, do you have any what do you what are your thoughts on the pick? It's a strong counter move. Um the the steals, I didn't think about him maybe being a huge defensive player as well. Um hmm. I didn't either, honestly, until I was looking this up. Yeah, the the I'm not worried about his three point shooting uh as an opponent, because that's how I'm how I'm imagining this genre. <laughs> Um, he, I think he's going to score a bunch of points for you, but I wonder how much touch he'll, he'll get with, uh, your choices of Glenn Rice and, uh, Baron Davis. I think Baron Davis is going to dominate that ball and then Dwight Howard's going to whine and then Dwight Howard's going to dominate that ball. But I do think how many, now how that many... a defensive player as a defensive player, he might stop, um, might Stop Dale Curry. <laughs> how many uh how many games is this like a one game thing or is this a best of seven series? Um I imagine it is one game. All we're gonna need is one game, but um we can make <laughs> it a, a best of seven series or we can make it all eighty two games. Whatever whatever <laughs> makes you think, you know, you're gonna win the most because I have that much confidence, Jonathan. I, I think the fewer games the better because Dwight Howard won't have time to whine about touches and sabotage the <laughs> locker room if we just play like one or one game or like best of three or something. If we start going into like full seasons, then we're, well then yeah, I'll probably run into some chemistry issues. But all right, Jonathan, review your team. Give us the give us the lineup. So at point guard I have Baron Davis. At shooting guard I have Eddie Jones. At small forward we have Glenn Rice. Power forward Larry Johnson. And at center we have Dwight Howard. I feel pretty okay. good about it. Got good defenders, one through five. Got a, got some good perimeter scoring. Got a couple interior pres. I think it's just a real well balanced team. I feel good about it. You, I'm glad you feel good. I, I want you to come into the to the contest with a lot of uh, a lot of bravado. <laughs> I want you to be feeling good walking in. Okay, my lineup: <clears throat> uh, Kemba Walker uh, at PG, uh, Del Curry shooting guard. Gerald Wallace as my small forward. I have Alonzo Mourning as my power forward, and Al Big Al Jefferson bringing in that center. You know, I I get your thoughts on Big Al going dry, maybe, um, and Gerald Wallace isn't going to be all that much on the offensive end. But I have faith that uh, the two people that I picked. <laughs> on my guards are going to score enough points. And then Alonzo Mourning is going to gobble up them rebounds and uh, give me a nice, uh, I'd call it like 16 and eight, 16 points, eight rebounds. <laughs> and uh, I might get like a sneaky double, double from Al Jefferson, call it like, like 10 and 12, you know, I can see that. Uh, I, I worry about Al Jefferson on the defensive end against Larry Johnson and Dwight Howard's athleticism. It's going to be tough. Yeah, especially with all them farts, man. It's just I don't know how he's gonna stay in the paint. <laughs> I've never heard that story before, by the way, until you just Look, told me. Google it, bro. Google it. It's on uh, there. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that post post recording. Um, um I want to bring up look out. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, two players that I thought about or honorable mentions. I want to bring make uh, bring up good good words. Uh, Anthony Mason and Jamal Mashburn, and Stephen Jackson too, but. Steven Jackson, as if I didn't have enough locker room rooms. Pro- problems in your locker room, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
Jamal Mashburn, another guy. So he was the third in the string of we'll have Glenn Rice for a couple years and then we'll get rid of him and bring in Eddie Jones and have him for a year and a half and get rid of him and acquire Jamal Mashburn. Jamal Mashburn averaged he averaged 20 points a game in his last season in the NBA, and only six players have ever done that. Um, when it in his two seasons in Charlotte before the team moved to New Orleans, he averaged 20, 20 and a half points, seven rebounds, five assists, and a steal while shooting 36% from three. Like, he's really good. Yeah. He, I, I, there's nothing really to add for that. I, You've got me wondering, like, why did we ship these guys in and out so quickly back then? I, I don't know. either. I don't know. But I know the trade that we got rid of Glenn Rice and acquired Eddie Jones is a stupid trade. Just, like, how many people were in it. Same with the second one. With So we traded Jamal Mashburn – or we traded uh, Eddie Jones to the Heat along with – Ricky Davis and Dell Ellis and Anthony Mason. So it's just like it's half the starting lineup. It's yeah, the Miami Heat for PJ Brown, Rodney Buford, Tim James, and Otis Thorpe. I don't know what we were trying to get out of that. And then I, uh, I don't know. Man, I'm... Maybe you haven't heard we <laughs> traded Kobe Bryant for uh, Vlade Divac. For Vlade you did, have you heard that? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I thought about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought about Vlade too, and then I looked up his stats and. He was not good. It just, just, <laughs> you can stretch your imagination if you want to. He was not good. And then, um, yeah, uh, he was Eddie Jones was part of a five-team trade between the Miami Heat, Memphis Grizzlies, Boston Celtics, Utah Jazz, <laughs> and I can't find the fifth team. There's too many words. The Horn, New Orleans slash Oklahoma City Hornets later in his career. How do you how do you build the structure of a five-team trade? I assume you just close your eyes and point. I have no idea. <laughs> um, oh, one more thing I forgot to mention about Eddie Jones. Uh, if you take NBA 2K ratings as gospel, Eddie Jones has the highest rating on the all-time Hornets team on NBA 2K. 19. Oh, that's yeah, that's how I always when I research my stuff, I always look at their. That's NBA how I drafted ratings. That's how I drafted this. <laughs> that's, that's not so how I drafted, you... but I found that when I was looking up stuff, I just happened to come across that. I have a question for you. Is there a way on it? Because I don't play uh, video games. Is there a way to do it so that you have, like, could we sim this on NBA 2K? Yes. What? We should do that. <laughs> I um, have to. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I, have, I haven't played. I haven't messed around with, like, rosters. Like, you know, like the fantasy, picking. like regular rosters yeah. and stuff. But I can make, I know you can, like, create teams and stuff. I'm pretty sure you could. Gotcha. Well, look, along with this podcast, we're also going to publish an article that will give our sides of each team and kind of explain the all-time Hornets draft. Um, please participate. Please vote on your favorite team. Um, you know, it, it, it matters who you vote for, and it matters that you vote. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it matters that you vote. Yeah. Um, so... What else do we need to talk about, Jonathan? I think our next podcast that we have is going to be more free agency focused. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Cause, and then we'll come back. Well, we'll see. Maybe maybe draft. Maybe lottery. Depends on when we record it. 
Yeah, fair enough. I, I, I don't know if we could put the draft and the free agency together, but if we do the draft, we're also going to do a feature called the worst draft picks of Hornets history. Because <laughs> talk <laughs> about Believe having it. options. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please make sure to f- uh, subscribe to uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please rate us five stars. Um, go to www.athehive.com and uh, read all of Jonathan's articles. He's going to change his uh, insignia to his name. Um, he's got that mm-hmm. on his list. And uh, please check yeah, please check out our article, All Time Hornets Draft. Thanks, guys. See you. Have a good one. Peace out.